also. So, in the afternoon teachings, we're soon to go into the the sadhana, the sadhana of Avalokiteshvara, a very simple self-generation. And when engaging in such practice or in our devotional practices here with the refuge, Bodhicitta, seven-line prayer, visualization, and Guru Ramache, of course, we're invited to visualize, visualize. And many people, in fact, actually most of the people I engage with, uh, feel they're really bad at visualization. I think they think they're a little bit unusual. <laughs> but they're not. Um, in fact, I'm trying to remember the last time I remember somebody, like a student or someone, said, oh, by the way, I'm just really good at visualization. <laughs> I, I can't remember anybody ever saying that. I'm sure there are good people, but people are good at that. But I can't remember anybody ever saying that to me. You know? Whereas people say, oh, I really say, I'm really, oh, that's, that's normal. And so there's an important point here. And then it, and it pertains to all of these different practices, whether it's the guru, guru yoga, whether it's the self-generation of Avalokiteshvara, whether it's viewing sentient beings as our mothers and fathers, uh, whether it's viewing our Vajrayana siblings, our Dharma friends within the Sangha as Viras and Dakinis. There are two aspects to it. One is the appearance, and the other one is its karasa. Nawadan zimba. One is the way it appears, the other one the way it's apprehended. Appearing and apprehended. Appearing and apprehended, right? And so the appearing aspect, the appearing aspect is that's how good your visualization is. You know, when you're visualizing Gururmachi, visualizing Padmasambhava, is it kind of like that except for a lot better? You know, three dimensional, radiating light, translucent, vibrant, full of energy. High definition, like you know, a five thousand dollar television says, just like, whoa, Padmasambhava has really come. Is it like that, or is it kind of like, you know, not much there at all? And so that's the appearance. And the other one is the sense, the sense of actually, for example, Gurumbaje actually being there, actually being in the presence of Padmasambhava, Avalokiteshvara, your guru, whoever it may be. That sense of the actual presence, you know. And so between the two, I'm just now speaking straight tradition. I'll try to I'll flag you on. I'm just going to give you an opinion. This is not an opinion. This is, this is centuries. And that is between the two, the appearance and then the way you're actually apprehending your sense of, for example, the actual presence of Guru Rinpoche, between the two, which is more, most important or more important between the two. And the answer is unequivocal and uniform. And you've guessed it. It's the latter one. So some people are really good at visualization. I mean, people, people they, gra- they often naturally gravitate to art, to architecture, to design, and so forth, because they have such good imaginations. So many images, images come to mind. And that's excellent. It's a skill. Some people are skilled in that, some in music, some in gardening, and so forth and so on. But most of us aren't. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not skilled. First time I ever taught meditation, 1976, I taught some visualization, Buddha Shakyamuni. And there was one Swiss French lawyer, I remember him so Jean-Michel, I remember. Jean-Michel, I remember so clearly. Uh, and we did, I gave the whole guided meditation of here's Buddha Shakyamuni and here's rays of light and so forth, and doing kind of refuge practice. And he came to me and he said, Alan, I sat through that whole meditation and nothing came to mind at all, except towards the end, I saw a seagull. <laughs> 
I don't quite know what the connection was. Jonathan Livingston Seagull, I don't, I don't know who the seagull was. Or whether it was something like, quack, 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 you know, loser, loser, loser. <laughs> so it's secondary. So as you're engaging in the practices, and we'll get to Avalokiteshvara soon, as you're engaging in that, what I would really strongly encourage you to do is do not do something that is mistaken, and that is evaluate the quality, the integrity, the meaningfulness of your practice relative to how well you can visualize. That's superficial. It really is. I mean, it's nice. It's, it's glorious. It's nice to have vivid dreams, right? if they're good dreams. It's nice to have vivid dreams rather than vague dreams. But it's just secondary. And if you really visualize really well, but that's all it is, a great light show, but you don't really have any devotion, don't really have any sense of the presence of the Guru, and so forth and so on, then it's just a light show. But now that's outwardly directed, right? It's outwardly directed towards our, our, our fellow Sangha members. You don't have to see all the women as somehow stereotyping what does a Takini look like and then superimposing that all over the place. Or what's a real manly vira look like? You know, kind of like, like John? Kind of like John? Grizzled, bald head, yeah? Kind of gold? I mean, that's going to be like an old vira. But Hector, a young, a young Victor, a young Hector, 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 yes, like Hector, correct? Hector, Hector, there's a young, there's a young Vera, nice beard, nice beard, look big macho, that's cool, because the Vera should look macho, you know, he looked macho, also definitely Nigo, definitely macho, macho, you know, but we can't all look like that, you know. <laughs> So sorry, we're not all that handsome. So more the sense of the purity, sense of purity. And then we get to the home. And that is all right. Here we are already. We're imagining the, the dissolution, the indivisibility of our own body, speech, and mind with that of Guru Ramaji, right? But visualization, secondary, primary, just that sense, that quiet, non-conceptual sense of that dissolution into a spacious, open, Transcendent ground, Maya Padmasambhava. So that's most important. And when we when we do go into the Avalokiteshvara practice, most important is the sense of it, the sense of it, and the shifting of the very sense of identity. So in classic stage generation practice, classic sadhana practice, self generation, there's the appearance. How well can you visualize yourself as Avalokiteshvara? So beautiful image here, really quite nice tanka. So there's all the detail. Right. But then there's the, the way you're apprehending yourself, and that is really adopting the sense of identity of being Padmasam, of being Avalokiteshvara. And between the two, the actual sense of identity, the sense of the dissolution of your ordinary identity into that of Avalokiteshvara. That's really the core. Visualization secondary. So that's quite, quite important. So, so bear that in mind. And then as we, the final point, final point before we jump in, and that is we're doing this refuge, but it takes very short time. You know, we just go three, three times. Then bodhicitta, short time, seven line breath, three times. Then it's finished. It's about seven, eight minutes, something like that. But the idea of doing this is not just to do something for seven minutes and then, like the guillotine comes down, finished with that. And then you go to something else. Okay, now I'm going back to mindful to breathing. But rather the whole idea of the kind of launching, launching the session with this. And we're only doing it once, you know, so we don't, we're not doing it in the afternoon. We could. I'm just choosing for the time being, just in the morning, 
is that this is ready to launch us for the rest of the day. Not just the rest of the 24 minutes, but the rest of the day. And there's a very nice verb, it's a simple verb in, in Tibetan. Oh, zimba. Tantric Sempke is zimba. And that is that your meditation, just a simple practice, mindfulness, breathing in and out, maybe counting one to ten, one to ten. It's just simple, that's all you do, but it's, it's imbued with, zimba, it's imbued with, it's held with the sense of refuge, that sense of trust. That you're not just doing some technique that you, you pulled off the internet, you know. This is, this is a technique, it is a method, but it's coming from the Buddha. And that, that sense of trust, that sense of refuge, the sense of confidence, the sense of here's my path, and then it's a Buddhist practice. And then beyond that, it's zimba, it's imbued with, it's held, it's sustained, it's nurtured with bodhicitta. The bodhicitta is, is kind of the underlying engine that's driving it, driving it, driving it. That's the motivation. It's held. So you're not thinking all sentient beings, I want to achieve enlightenment, but it's there, it's implicit, and it's holding it. And then likewise, the seven line prayer, the Guru Yoga. Don't keep on thinking about it. You don't pepper your, your shamatha practice, your vipassana practice by, oh yeah, guru, hi, you know, hi, guru, hi. You're not, you're not multitasking. You're not going back and forth. You know. It's just holding. It's holding. Holding that. So that's very important. We're not turning our back on the guru when we start really practicing single-pointedly. The guru is holding the whole practice, right? The guru, Padmasambhava. And now, what's the point of that? Well, number one, it's meaningful, but there's another number two point, and that this is displacing the contrary. These, each of these is displacing that which is incompatible to it or diametrically opposed to it. For example, there's something called afflictive uncertainty. Anybody ever heard of that one? It's one of the five obscurations. You know? So our practice can be imbued with sensual craving, hedonic pleasing. I'm going to meditate this. Girls will like me a lot better. I shouldn't say that at my age. It just sounds stupid. But, you know, um, I, I'll be more famous. That's it. I'll be more famous. If I practice this, I'll be more famous. More people read my books. You know, a dozen more at least. <laughs> and that can be the motivation. You know, hedonic fixation. Or it can be, you know, there can just be kind of some negativity there. Like that, you know. Grumpiness can be driving it. You know, samsara sucks. I don't like anybody. Mm. <laughs> you know, that could be, it can be held with, you know, grumpiness. It can be held with laxity and dullness, held with excitation and anxiety, held with uncertainty, afflictive uncertainty. You know, afflictive uncertainty often goes hand in hand with low self-esteem. Because if we, if we had 100% low self-esteem, then we just wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. Really, I mean, we we just stay there, you know, just stay in bed. But no, we're ambivalent there. Because I know what low self-esteem is like. You know, it's not a big deal, but I, I've tasted it. And it's ambivalent. Because there's low self-esteem, like, I'm lazy, I'm a loser, I'm not much. But at least I'm looking down on you. <laughs> you know, me. <laughs> and I'm still getting out of bed, and I'm still meditating, I'm still doing this and still that. Because I think, well, I'm a loser, but at least I know I'm a loser. And the guy who knows I'm a loser is not such a loser, it's the loser that I think is a loser. Did you follow that? <laughs> I'll say it again. <laughs> Low self-esteem is ambivalent. It's bipolar. Entails afflictive uncertainty. Because it's looking down on oneself on the one hand. But from the vantage point, that's higher than the person you're looking down on. 
And so you get out of bed from the higher stance. You're such a loser, get out of bed, sap. Okay, okay, you know. And it's wobbling back and forth. I can do it. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Yes, I can. Shut up. No, yes. So low self-esteem, it's afflictive uncertainty. If it were flat-out uncertainty or just flat-out low self-esteem, you'd never get out of bed. You'd never meditate. You'd never do anything. If you didn't have the afflictive uncertainty, you'd have enthusiasm and confidence and trust. And your fundamental trust, of course, is oddly enough in yourself. Because who is it? Who is it taking refuge? You know, especially for the likes of us and people living on podcasts, all of us have choices. We know that. None of us, you know, were just bludgeoned into submission by our parents. You will be a Buddhist. You will be a Buddhist. Otherwise, you're going to hell. You know, none of us had that happen, right? Not one. So, if we're following a Buddhist path, Mayana path, Mahamudra path, so we chose it. But from how many things did we choose? My goodness, you know, we all have access to the internet. That's a lot of choices, like never before in human history. That's a lot of choices. And then there are lots and lots of teachers. So many teachers, East, West, Old, New, some following traditions, some starting their own traditions, and so forth, all kinds of teachers. Man, there must be millions of them. And then you choose for the time being to be with this teacher. You choose to follow this lineage, and so forth. How do you know you made a good decision? Maybe you've been totally brainwashed. Maybe you're completely an idiot. How do you know? Well, you're taking refuge in your own decision. Before you take refuge in this, this, this teacher, this tradition, this meditation, that teacher, that lineage, and so forth, before you make, take refuge in any of those, you're taking refuge in the person who's deciding to take refuge. And if that person totally confused, you're screwed. <laughs> and then we're back to afflictive uncertainty. And so you really need to take refuge. And we act when what we have, it's not a choice. Those who are skeptical of everybody else, skeptical, big, big skeptics, big Buddhist atheists, big blah, 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 they're taking refuge as much as anybody else. They're just taking refuge in themselves. I know more than anybody else. Ha, ha, ha. Good luck with that. But they're taking refuge like anybody else. We're all taking refuge. So. See that the place you're taking refuge from is a deep place. So instead of having your practice be imbued with afflictive uncertainty, imbued with low self-esteem, refuge, bodhicitta, guru yoga, pure vision. It's much more promising, much more helpful. So we displace really afflictive imbuement. It's not even a word, but you know what I mean. Afflictive, which basically undermines, it's like just kind of pouring acid on the practice, erodes it, erodes it, erodes it. And instead we're putting, we're planting the practice in a very rich, fertile bed, so it can really grow. Okay? So we'll do our devotions and then I'll guide a meditation, be a little surprise package.
datang dodo senjenan jamju badu kapsu Namo, in the Lama, who is the embodiment of the Sugatas, of the nature of the three jewels, I, together with the beings of the six realms, take refuge until our enlightenment. For the sake of all beings, I generate the spirit of awakening and cultivate the realization of the Lama as Buddha. By means of enlightened activity, I shall train each one according to their needs, and I vow to liberate the world. frontier of Odiana, in the heart of a lotus, sits the one renowned as Padmasambhava, who achieved the wondrous supreme city, and is surrounded by a host of many dakinis. Following in your footsteps, I devote myself to practice. Please come forth and bestow your blessings. Guru Pemisiti Hum. The silent recite the Guru Mantra, Guru Mantra while engaging in the four empowerments and the dissolution of the Guru into oneself. Om Ahom Bodhagura Penesiti.
dissolve the guru into yourself and then rest non-conceptually in the non-dual experience of your own mind and pristine awareness. to switch positions, please do so now. If you will, you may sustain the visualization of Guru Rinpoche, Padmasambhava at your heart, or simply replace this, let this melt into a radiant white orb of light at your heart, symbolizing your Buddha nature, Dharmakaya. That can hold all of samsara and nirvana in equal purity. From this perspective, visualize your own well-being. As we raise the first of the four questions, what would make you truly happy? And let your imagination play. The source of this vision is, in fact, none other than your own Buddha nature, seeking to manifest itself. With every outbreath arise the aspiration of loving kindness. As rays of light flow out from your heart and permeate every aspect of your being, purifying, filling with a sense of well-being. with the spirit of loving-kindness, breath by breath.
Imagine your whole being filled with the light of this creative power of pristine awareness. Imagine realizing your vision here and now. The second question. In order to realize such fulfillment, what would you love to receive from the world around you, from your fellow sentient beings, from the enlightened ones, to fulfill your hedonic needs as well as your eudaimonic needs? Inhalation, arouse the aspiration. May it be so. May I receive all that I truly need from moment to moment, day to day. And with each in-breath, imagine a reality rising up to meet you by way of sentient beings, by way of the blessings of the great Bodhisattvas and Buddhas of the three times. Imagine light flowing in upon you from all sides. White, yellow, red, blue, and green. Empowering you along the path to your awakening. energizing your whole being, here and now, as you imagine receiving from moment to moment all that you need to take the next step on the path of your own fulfillment.
to realize such well-being, how would you love to transform from within in terms of your conduct, your mind, your very sense of your own identity? What shackles would you love to throw off? What virtues would you love to cultivate? With every exhalation, breathe out from your heart, fill your whole being. As you imagine such transmutation taking place, breath by breath, and arousing the aspiration that it may be so. In order to find your greatest fulfillment with the awareness of the interrelationship with yourself and all those around you, raise the fourth question. What would you love to offer to the world? Draw from your ground, your Buddha nature, 
which is common to all, but draw also from that which is uniquely of your continuum. Each of us here, everyone listening by podcast, everyone, has something unique to contribute. The constellation of your friends, your loved ones, the people with whom you have karma connections. Unique configuration of your own history in this lifetime and past lifetimes places you in a unique position in this universe. What would you love to offer from that uniqueness? With every outbreath from this inexhaustible source of light at your heart, imagine rays of white, yellow, red, blue, green light, refracted light flowing out in all directions, taking on the form of the good you'd love to offer, tangible and intangible, offering your very best to those who are near and far over the short term and the long term. Breathe out the aspiration and the intention of loving-kindness. And let the expanse of your pure vision extend now to the outermost reaches of space. Embracing all sentient beings, imagine them receiving what you have to offer. Imagine each one finding liberation, realizing their own pristine awareness, and finding their own perfect fulfillment. Move boldly into this realm of possibility. And imagine all sentient beings becoming awakened with yourself at the center of your mandala. Release all appearances and aspirations. Let your awareness rest without object in its own nature.
Dasso. So the Guru Rinpoche mantra is the generic one for Guru Yoga with, with respect to Padmasambhava, of course. And then there are variations. There are you know, these variations on the theme. One relating specifically to Saroruha, Saroruha Vajra, the Lakeborn Vajra. Soke, Soke Doje, Soke Doje in Tibetan. Very easy to say, Soke Doje. And this is the manifestation of Padmasambhava, really the kind of the speech embodiment of Padmasambhava, with whom Dujum Lingba himself had this very strong connection. In fact, he was his root guru. He didn't have any human gurus, he said so. His root guru was Padmasambhava, and he gave him many, many teachings in his pure visions. And so the mantra is specifically associated with this manifestation of Padmasambhava, which has this strong connection with all of the Dzogchen teachings of Dujum Lingba, is the second mantra, and I've been asked to give the transmission of that. I have this from Gertrude Mbache, of course. And so I'm going to recite it three times. Um, Sanskrit version, Tibetan version, my version. <laughs> my version is silly, but uh, I'll explain why. So I'll recite the, the Sanskrit first, it's straightforward. Om Ahum Vajra Guru Padma Chuteng Tsela Vajra Samayaja Siddhipala Hum. So that's the Sanskrit. I'll see if I can remember the Tibetan, sometimes I miss it. Om Ahum Benza Guru Pema Chuteng Tsela Benza Samayaja Siddhipala Hum. Why the difference is. Um, you can't say Vajra in Tibetan. They don't. It just does that those words don't come out in Tibetan language. In the Tibetan syllables, Vajra, it doesn't exist. So they go from Va. You don't have Va in Tibetan. You have Ba. And then you put this into Tibetan pronunciation style, and it becomes Be. But they don't have. They don't have Vajra. They don't have that either. So what the hell, Za. So Benza, Vajra becomes Benza. Okay. So, is it Sanskrit? No. Is it Tibetan? No. Does it work? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they've been resigning this way for centuries, and it works. So if it works, you don't necessarily have to fix it. So that accounts for that. Padma is a Sanskrit term, but the Tibetans have embraced it as their own. So, Pema, 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 you know. They just use it, but they, but they and say Padma, which you don't have either in Tibetan, they just put that into Tibetan pronunciation rules, and it comes out Pema, okay? Uh, so that's why that happens. And then Ja, they don't, they, well, I think it's from in Kashmiri Sanskrit. Instead of Ja, it's Za. And so Samaya Za. That's Kashmiri Sanskrit. But most Sanskrit says Ja. Okay? So, no big deal. So, I think I got that one right. So, for myself, I'm not a Tibetan, and I'm not Sanskrit, and I'm not a Kashmiri. <laughs> so, I do mm, hybrid. <laughs> hybrid. I just can't bring myself to say Benza because it's just not my language. <laughs> Vajra. I don't say ben, I'm practicing the hundred-syllable Benza Sattva mantra. Does anybody say that? Then why not? If you say Benza Benza, benza then it's Benza Sattva. Ben, benza Sato. Benza, it sounds Japanese to me. Hey, benza Sato. Hi. Because they don't say Sattva either. They don't, they, can't, they don't say Sattva, so they say Sato. Hey, Benza Sato. But I just say Vajra Sattva, you know, that's how it's written. So, so the way I do it, Oma Hum Vajra Pema Tutensa Vajra Samaya Jasiri Pala Hum Ah. Oma Hum Vajra Guru Pema Tutensa Vajra Samaya Jasiri Pala Hum. 
ओम आहूम वज्र गुरु पे मैं तुझे से वज्र समाये जा सिरी पाला हूँ नो बिग डील इट्स जस्ट माय प्रेफरेंस देर इज फ्लोटिंग अराउंड हियर सम प्लेस इन द इथर स्फीयर इन द क्लाउड देर इज ट्रांसलेशन आई डिड राइट शॉर्ट शावर ब्लेसिंग्स shower blessings uh, and the version i the pdf i have is fine if you're going to print it out but then if you only have the uh, pdf file then you're flipping all over the place because it was designed to like two pages like that and the design to be printed and then it's folded adomala do you have do you have a kind of a clean copy that just kind of looks straight so anybody just wants to read it on their laptop they don't have to flip flip all over the place if you can and ronda where's ronda ronda yeah do, do you know if you have it All I have is the one that is good if you print it and then you 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 print it and you fold it all together and it looks good but it's awkward if you're trying to read it from a laptop and you just have to flip all over the place. I, I could I could You can or you would or I could You ha- you happy to yeah. Well, I wouldn't want to give it. Thank you. It's a very nice generous offer. Uh Elizabeth, if you already have it, maybe you can send it to me and then I can send it to Sangay for anybody listening by podcast. and uh, yeah and then I'll send it to Brandy just for fun yeah oh that's all I'm so attached to Randa what that's all I think that's it for now so let your day be imbued with refuge put it to guru yoga imbued with view good substitutes for rumination afflictive uncertainty and all the other garbage nice it's a new neighborhood new neighborhood to practice in move to you know gentrify is not to gentrify your neighborhood <laughs> upward mobility upward mobility <laughs> better neighborhood of the mind to practice in okay okay enjoy your day see you later